And and I even say in my notes, they go on and on about the lineage of the priesthood, (laughs) distinctions between the priesthoods, and how Joseph helped the priesthood. (laughs) I mean, it's not that far off from, like, regular Mormonism, right? It's like, we just understand that more because we grew up in it. And so we have, like, heard all those stories about how Joseph Smith, like, was visited by all these different angels and prophets. And then he got the priesthood with whoever that was from John the Baptist in the forest. Yeah, John the Baptist <laughs> and then Peter, James, and John, and apparently yeah. he was the only one that, like, he had this Oliver Cowdery with him, and Oliver Cowdery yeah. did through, like... Yeah, like, it's just, just all... Kind of, <laughs> it's just all bullshit. It's just different flavors of bullshit, and then they're like, no, yeah. he came to me, and I'm the one with the priestess, so... <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so, so stupid. I had a... Hi besties, this is Not So Peter Priesthood Podcast. I am Jake Taylor, and I'm your host. Um, right at the top, you can reach me at notsopeterpriesthood at gmail.com, um, and on Instagram at notsopeterpriesthood. Um, if you want to go rate, review, and subscribe, be a dear and do that, that'd be awesome. Um, this episode is an incredible collaboration that I was lucky enough to get to happen. Um, I'm very honored to have all these guests on. Um, Dusty is back and she, um, she is joined with our lovely, um, Sarah and Katie from Not So Molly Mormon. Um, it's funny because it was, I think, almost a, a little over a year ago that I actually was a guest on their podcast, um, and I told my story on there, and it was kind of the, the birth of huh, this podcast. So, um, speaking of which, this episode is um, about uh, Herbal LeBaron, Um kind of a spoiler, but it's fine. Um, I just have to mention that because uh, Not So Molly Mormon actually covered this a year ago, uh, just about, and it was uh, their episode 131. So if you want to go listen to it, um, we found out, it's funny because uh, Sarah and Katie, all of us actually kind of forgot that they had covered it until well into the recording, and then... um, we were, uh, we decided that it was, um, both episodes are very complimentary to each other. And so, like, um, there, if you want more, like, of the timeline and the history and a little bit more of the background of the church, um, the Herbal LeBaron was part of, then, um, Katie's episode is, Katie and Sarah's episode is incredible. Um, if you, this episode, uh, just a trigger warning, there are some uh, graphic descriptions of murders, and um, there's, yeah, if you, if those are things that may not be, if you're not in the right space for, then uh, maybe I'll skip this one, or and wait, can, and come back when you uh, feel like you have the, 
the space for it. It's um, it's some heavy stuff. It's some wild wild shit, but it's um, really interesting. Um, this is also part of that series where it started with the Kinderhook stuff, and this was actually supposed to be the final piece of the puzzle, but um, because of this collaboration, it kind of it worked out that this would be pushed to the front, so it'll work out. Um, it'll all make sense, I promise. Um, and with that, and without further ado, <laughs> uh, enjoy. Sabbath day. <laughs> <laughs> the breakfast we just went to was put on by this church in town. It's just a community non-denominational church. And I was like, oh, what? You can go to a church function and it's not shoved down your throat? This is so weird. <laughs> I know. They were like, do you want coloring sheets? And I was like, are they Jesus-y? It was just a horse. Here's a picture of a horse. <laughs> are they Jesus-y? No. <laughs> to the LDS one yesterday and y'all oh it was how was like, it well what is with Mormon serving peach juice at every event is that a thing peach juice peach did you guys juice? not have that every ward event I no. had growing up there was always peach juice like it was those peach crystals that they put in <laughs> and then they'd stir it up and it was kind of <laughs> gritty on your tongue no like, I don't know this like tang of, kind of like tang but it's peach <laughs> flavor like crystal light yeah, kind of. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I haven't heard of this. <laughs> you were alone in this in oh this God. experience. So yesterday, I take a sip because obviously there's no coffee. I take a sip of the juice and was immediately thrust back into my childhood of every ward event having peach juice served. It must That's be Canadian. I don't know. Yeah, right. Canadian. Thing. Okay, well, it was horrible. Oh. Oh, that's funny. It's be a Canadian Mormon thing. Yeah, be. maybe. I don't know. Okay, well. Or maybe just like my ward and then this ward. I don't I don't know. But yeah, Either today there was coffee. Problem. And I said to the, I was like, do you have coffee? And she was like, of course we have coffee. And I was like, the one yesterday didn't have coffee. And she was like, oh, where, where were you yesterday? And I was like, the Mormons. And she was like, oh. <laughs> no coffee at a pancake breakfast. At a, pa- a stampede pancake breakfast. How dare you? Cowboys need coffee. <laughs> I got a lot to do. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, there's my there's my morning. <laughs> God, you guys have already done so much. I didn't roll out of bed until like eleven twelve. Oh, I'm... you just you just wait a few months. I know. You'll that's why. Like, I'm like, oh, get it oh. in now. Yeah. I'm like, Sleep oh, as I'm much as you can. Sleep. Lay down. Do all the <laughs> napping. Just just pack it all in right now. <laughs> Literally what I'm doing. I was like, why do I wake at nine? I was like, I'm so hungry. But I was like, no, you're going to stay in bed because you can't. And I was like, Greg is snoozing. He has a massive hangover. So I was like, I'll just keep playing on my phone and snoozing until 12. There you Great. go. Do it. Nice. Do it. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I didn't make myself a Bloody Mary because it is 9 a.m. And I was like, that's early even for me. <laughs> Oh, I just have my coffee. <laughs> do you have a mimosa, Jake? No, I do not. Oh, but, 
It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I have good coffee, so oh. I'll be less aggressive now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a girl needs some coffee this morning. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> After I sent the message, I was like, that was actually really mean. <laughs> I'm sorry. You Canadians aren't always nice. <laughs> but you're apologizing now, so that's... Oh, yeah. That's the thing. That's the can- yeah. It's the Canadian in you. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, y'all look so lovely today. Thanks for joining. Um, <laughs> you too. Look at those titties. I just want to motorboat them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's Marco Polo after the gym, so he's in like his little gym <laughs> attire, and all I can see is the cleavage, and I'm just like. <laughs> 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 oh my god <laughs> put in there that's what i want to do my eyes are up here dusty. <laughs> <laughs> is there responsibility to not dress as pornography mm-hmm. <laughs> you're distracting us <laughs> way too tempting it's too much oh, stop too it. much too much <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so to start these off, before we get into the trauma, <laughs> I have a, a Moments with Mormons that Katie oh, and uh, Dusty are familiar with. <laughs> but Sarah, this will be new to you. <laughs> so, oh, no. Okay. So no, got, you'll like it. You'll like it. <laughs> You're always okay. good. <laughs> they got into my uh, Goodreads in archives, and um, hmm, Jake... Little Mormon Jake wrote a little book review. Oh, <laughs> so I'm already crying. <laughs> okay, I want to say that I found this and I was dying. Like I was going through Jake's Goodreads because I wanted to see like what he had read, what he had liked and not liked. So that I was like, okay, I'm gonna curate my list. And this review was from 2010, and it was when I was looking at. 2009. Oh, no, it was 2010. Just kidding. You're right. And it was what I was looking at, like, books he didn't like, and this was one of them. And I died. So continue. <laughs> All right. So it's for uh, The Lions of Lucerne. I don't know if I said that right. Um, By Brad Thor. It's like this okay. thriller, spy thriller book, right? And, um, <clears throat> all right. This is my review. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh-oh. I didn't finish this book because of how it began. <laughs> oh my god, I don't know if I could do this. Okay. I was perfectly fine with it all. Excited about the story and such, and then Mr. Thor goes off about the LDS church on pages seventy one through seventy eight. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. Oh my god, you're the Mormon trolls that we hate now. That was you. <laughs> I can't breathe. Okay. Mr. Thor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. While it is doubtful that he meant to or not, but I felt like he was taking some jabs at the LDS Church. I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and I can say that he doesn't have his facts exactly straight. <laughs> oh my god! <sighs> oh my god! So, okay. <laughs> Sarah, this is my wow. The church is true. I was thinking that. I'm over here judging, but I'm like, I have four journals full of this. <laughs> So, you know, like. Uh, I've read other books where they've mentioned the LDS Church and the authors are not members, and it was done tastefully. An example that comes to mind is Jodi Picoult's Change of Heart. On page 144, (laughs) I don't even, I just randomly bring up a book. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even explain that. No. 
on page 144, Scott Harvath, the main character, is supposed to be showing his tact with members of the church when he doesn't even say the right name of it. He calls it the Church of Lat- Latter-day Saints. <laughs> Jake had the revelation before Rusty even had the revelation that you used the right name, motherfuckers. (laughs) Keep Jesus Christ in that name, okay? All right. Uh, Anyways, I may not have explained myself well on this one, but all I know is I had to put this one down because he had alienated me as a reader. I don't think he put the church in a good light by making us look like misogynistic <laughs> idiots who go to church for five hours a week. <laughs> oh my god, the irony! I, it's like it it's is what so guys, funny. Oh like god. the part about the five hours is like he makes us look like we go to church for five hours a week, and I was like, baby Jake, you do. <laughs> like, you <know? laughs> Three hours on Sunday. Four. <laughs> <sighs> uh, uh, so funny. I am taking from this a lesson that I should do all in my power not to make my readers feel like they are being attacked. I know it's hard to make everyone happy, so all I have to say is, I'm sure these Scott Harvest books are good, but they are not for me. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh, and then it's just like this other... Scott Harvest is nothing special. He seemed too perfect, and he spent the first few chapters in the hospital. Anyway, uh, so that's um, that's on the interwebs. Like that's there. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Forever. Throw Edit. that out there. At least, at least in my journals, they're locked away. They're <laughs> on the <laughs> <internet> paper. <laughs> oh, no, I have the web address for his entire blog. It's, oh yeah, I have a blog. That's... It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, uh, it's it's just so extra funny because we get those comments like nearly daily where it's like it's not called the Mormon Church blah 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 and it's just so funny that that was you the twelve years ago oh, oh the misogynistic oh podunk idiots podunk idiots so I remember <laughs> what I so there's like a killer so I remember it vividly so that there's there's a killer and he targets this like old Mormon couple and he knows to sneak into their house when they're away at church on Sunday. And oh. I was like, why are they going to church all the time? And, and then they make it, and then they, he kind of shows those, that couple like as kind of like idiot, idiotic. And so I was just like, yeah, I was mad about it. <laughs> I want to read that book now. I do too. I want to read it too. now too. I want to see exactly <laughs> how it. they like, bash the Mormon church. I bet it was just like these Mormons go to church every week and you were like which <laughs> fucking ha- nope that's it nope. they're bashing LDS members that's it. That's <laughs> it right how dare uh, you yeah. <laughs> ah, that's so funny oh it's so good oh my goodness so there you go that's my embarrassment and the echoing did you guys get an echo? mm-hmm no, an echo? What? Nothing. It's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> also, sorry if I'm going on mute, it's because the neighbors next door decided to drill right now on a Sunday. And I'm like, 
that's really convenient. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <sighs> All right. So, you guys ready for... Okay, listeners, I have kept these three <laughs> in anticipation for, like, oh, it's going to be so good. So, I hope it's actually good. <laughs> so, <laughs> you guys are like, Jake, come on. <laughs> That's all you got. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> Wasted my Sunday for that. Just for the moments with Mormon. That, that blog post made my whole morning all worth it. So this can go downhill from now. It'll be fine. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, that's good. See, you start the start it way up here, and then I can bring you clear down. I have lots of room to bring it down. <laughs> yeah. Right. So to, I'm not going to tell you exactly what it's about quite yet. But I'm going to read something to you, <laughs> and you guys, and then I'll, it's, luckily, all right, so, <clears throat> yeah. it was a brutally hot June, sun, June day in South Texas, and motorists on Interstate 10 had their car windows rolled up, their air conditioners running full tilt. The nondescript gray Buick sedan going east was just one more cool cocoon sp- speeding along the white highway. A passing traveler might have assumed the occupants of the Buick, three young men and one young woman, were friends vacationing together from college. A conservative college, the men all in their late teens or early 20s were freshly scrubbed with short hair and clean white shirts. The woman wore a modest high neck dress. Two of the men were dark in complexion as if there was Hispanic or Indian blood in their background. The woman and the other man, in contrast, were solidly Anglo. Both were good-looking with sharp features and blonde hair. A passing driver might have made certain quick assumptions about the Buick's occupants. Clean-cut, respectable, law-abiding. If anyone had spoken with those in the Buick on that day, June day in 1988, that first impression would have been reinforced. All four would have been pleasant, well-spoken, and polite. They would have said, sir and ma'am, open doors, displayed friendly interest. A probing questioner would have discovered that none of them took drugs or drank liquor, that all were avid students of the Bible and zealous in matters of personal hygiene and nutrition. A stranger might have come away from such a meeting feeling reassured about America's youth, but a stranger might have detected something else during such an encounter, something odd and disquieting. There was a remarkable sameness to the four travelers. It went beyond mannerisms or gestures or figures of speech. There was a peculiar collectiveness to their personalities, to their habit of standing close to their listener and looking straight in the eye, while at the same time maintaining a keen awareness of everything going on around them the movements of strangers and of each other. It was almost as if some invisible cord, one both psychological and physical, bound the four together to move as one. There were very good reasons for this unusual unusual bond, reasons that an outsider could probably never guess and would certainly never be told. One was simple genetics. The four young people were all half-siblings, sharing a common father but conceived by four different mothers. They were also united by their bad habits, not consuming drugs or liquor, but far more interesting ones. At least three stole cars for a living, and one had tried his hand at armed bank robbery. Their physical appearances were not meant as a disguise. They really were good, God-fearing Mormons, the truest of Mormons in their opinion, not the false Mormons who mouthed the words of church on Sundays and lived out a charade of piety by abstaining from coffee and soda pop. They were the true believers, living the holy Mormon way as revealed to Joseph Smith, the founder of the Mormon church, by the angel Moroni. More than that, they were the keepers of the keys to the holy kingdom, inheritors of the mantle from the true, one mighty and strong prophet. The symbol of that inheritance the proof of their authority over all other men was right there in the back, in the Buick, in a bound volume with the words, The Book of New Covenants, on its cover. The book was very explicit about what needed to be done to set the earth right. The only way was through blood atonement. Oh my god. 
Munich had betrayed the faith. He had been atoned. Daniel Ben Jordan was in the book. He had been atoned. Three men in Texas were in the book, and now they would be atoned. But those in the Buick were making this mission a special one. For months, they planned it out. Drawn maps, devised fallback positions, worked their timetable down to the minute. They'd made reconnaissance trips to Texas, tracked the three men's movements, driven past their homes and businesses, taken photographs. This blood atonement was so special, they had even chosen one of the holiest days of the year to carry it out, June 27th. It was a day in which the number four would figure prominently. June 27th, 1988, was the 144th anniversary of the assassination of Mormon founder Joseph Smith. He had been killed on the afternoon of that day in 1844. On June 27th, 1988, four more people would die, their deaths all occurring between 4 o'clock and 4.05 in one of the eeriest murder sprees in American history. What? <laughs> Bam! <laughs> what do you think? So we're going to talk about um, Earl the Baron and the Four O'Clock Murders. I've never heard of this. Um, I've heard of Earl the Baron, but I haven't heard of the Four O'Clock Murders. So there's a whole fucking book. Hold, that's oh my my god. So uh, it's called The Four O'Clock Murders by Scott Anderson. Um, and I'm going to read more from it, but we're going to put that aside for a second. And I'm going to... What are you guys thinking right now? <laughs> I'm very excited uh, to hear more. Herbal <laughs> LeBaron was a fundamentalist Mormon, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. And did they live in uh, Mexico for yes. a while? Yeah. In, yeah I don't uh, know anything. I don't know. This is all like... So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, we're going to go into, like, the, the, why am I echoing? Anyway, uh, we're going to go into his background right now, um, and then we'll get to the murders. Um, all right. And this so, was 1988, you said? Yes. So this was even the year after, I was like, born. <laughs> the I'm year of our queen, our savior. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so this was even after, like, all of the uh, Lafferty brothers shit. Yeah. So, like, that was in 84, right? I think so. Oh, my God. Yep. <laughs> oh. Like I always say, damn J-Dog putting these ideas in people's heads. Yeah. And they go murdering. Yep. So, oh. Herbal LeBaron is known as the Mormon Manson, if that gives you any ideas. Oh. Of, oh. Um, We've covered him a bit. Well, I didn't want to call you out, but also we've, we have done like 178 episodes, so yeah. it's, it's yeah. you know, it's fine <laughs> if we forget I them. I suggested this topic. Did I, did I even cover Mormon Manson? I feel like it's in my notes. Anyway, sidetrack. I- <laughs> <laughs> There we go. It's fine. We've done that. It's pregnancy. That's what it is. It's the pregnancy brain. Hundred percent. I'll vouch for you. (laughs) It never goes away. By the way. (laughs) (laughs) They take your brain with you. (laughs) All right. So uh, the LeBaron family, led by Alma Dayer LeBaron Sr., affiliated with the leadership of Mormon fundamentalist leader Joseph White Musser beginning in 1936. In June 1944, five of Dayer LeBaron's sons, Alma Jr., Benjamin T., Herbal, Ross Wesley, and Joel, were excommunicated from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints 
for teaching and practicing plural marriage. For the next 11 years, a number of LeBarons associated themselves to various degrees with Rulon C. Allred's Apostolic United Brethren. So, oh, yeah, we know him. Yep. Um, on December 9th, 1957, Dayer's son, Ben T. I don't know why. Uh, Benjamin T. Okay. Ben T. LeBaron <laughs> said, uh, Samuel. Okay. Something's fucky with my notes. Let's see. Ben T. LeBaron said, wrote, said Samuel T. W. Taylor a letter. Okay. Jake, what were you thinking here? Uh, later, say, a letter saying that Ben believed himself to have received the birthright from his father and also believed Ben was to be the one mighty and strong of Joseph Smith's 1832 prophecy sent to redeem LDS people from spiritual, bo- spiritual bondage. <clears throat> Soon thereafter, various LeBarons declared that their family was possessed of a special priesthood keys of authority to a pre-millennium demi-messianic officer offices in the restored earthly kingdom of God with their ultimate leader said to possess the right of the firstborn becoming variously titled for example the one mighty and strong the presiding they all think that they're the one mighty and strong it's like all of these dudes just think that they're the I don't know they just want the power right where does that prophecy come from I like because I've been catching up on under the banner and they talk about that but i've heard it other places too did he like make a prophecy about like i know nothing about this um was it joseph smith or it could have been a later prophet i don't know if it was joseph smith brigham young or john taylor one of them one of the I three think yeah said yeah. something was about one. like there will be one mighty and strong to come what back was john in, like, taylor during the the yeah. revelation oh was it yeah that when they sense, like actually they got rid of polygamy but then he had a, you know, this revelation that one day one mighty and strong leader will like bring it back to the church, I, if I understand it correctly. Yeah, I, no, I think you're right. I think it's there's like, I don't know, different things I've found where it's like either John Taylor or Joseph Smith. Like it's been kind of there's no real. Yeah. So it must have been like a conversation that was had and then never really written down until. Well, there's a lot of um, the 1886 meeting. We'll get into that a little bit. I think um, there's all sorts of, but the um, there's conflicting. There's people that say it never happened, but like all the most of the fundamentalists believe like that's like their the crux of their belief is that it happened and that this is what we believe from it and all that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, these are the names, like, they, they title these guys, the one mighty and strong, the presiding patriarch in all the world, and so forth. Patriarch. All the world, and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. beyond the world. Et cetera, so yeah. forth. <laughs> the, the, the barons believing him the rightful heir of Joseph Smith Jr.'s mantle as leader of the early Latter-day, Latter, Latter-day Saints Council of 50. Yeah. Uh, so they want, yeah, they all want to be the one mighty and strong, like we were talking about. So they think that Joel LeBaron, Joel LeBaron so there's these uh, four brothers, right? Five brothers that are all like kind of fighting for this mantle. And they all kind of create these new branches of the church because neither of, none of them can decide who wants to, who's going to be the the one mighty and strong. <laughs> Which is a lot like, I mean, under the banner of heaven, like the yeah. Lafferty brothers, they're just, yeah. Um, on September 21st, 1955, 
Joel LeBaron and his brothers Ross and Florin visited Salt Lake City, Utah, and there organized the Church of the Firstborn of the Fullness of Times. <laughs> what a name. Wait, the Church of the Firstborn of the Fullness of Time? Is that what I said? Oh, good God. Oh, mouthful. <laughs> yeah. That's even worse than Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a member of the Church of the First Point of the Fullness of Times. Oh, oh my word. <laughs> but also, like, Firstborn is just, like, so creepy. It's, it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Joel was ordained president of the church with Florin as first counselor and the first presidency and Ross as head patriarch. Head patriarch just sounds nasty to me. Just, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, shortly thereafter... Um, shortly thereafter, Joel reported being visited by 19 former prophets, including Jesus, Abraham, Moses, Elijah, and Moses Smith. So even Jesus stopped by. That is impressive. These dudes are just off their rockers. Like, (laughs) yeah, so-and-so came to me. Like, I don't know. It's it's wild. Yeah. I just, I don't in early 1956, the LeBaron brothers returned to Chihuahua. Their father, Alma, and brother, Ervil. Ervil's na- that name. No wonder he's a... Ervil. <laughs> no wonder he's a bitter man. He's like... You can add that to your baby name, Ervil. <laughs> I was pondering. I was like, Ervil. Maybe that'll baby work. Baby Ervil. That's a good name. <laughs> <laughs> Little baby Ervil. He won't get bullied at all. No. no. Totally fine. Not at all. Uh, their father, Alma, and brother, Ervil, became the fourth and fifth members of the new church. Their mother, Maud. She bad you're not <laughs> having a girl. God damn Maude. it. So many, let me get my notes out. Let me just yeah. make sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, their mother, Maud, also eventually joined. Several months later, Herbal LeBaron published a pamphlet titled, oh, we're going to get into this, Priesthood Expounded, which became a foundational text for the order. A rival organizational structure of the, to the order, which is named in full the Church of the First, Firstborn. Additionally, so they dropped the of the fullness of times, just called <laughs> themselves the Church of the Firstborn. Um, and that was formed in 1955 by Ross Wesley LeBaron, which Wesley thereafter led from its headquarters in Salt Lake City. Wesley believed he had been sent to prepare the way for the one mighty and strong who would be an Indian prophet. Joel and R. Wesley respectively claimed their special firstborn order priesthood lines of authority from Alma Dayer LeBaron, who had been ordained by Dayer's grandfather, Benjamin F. Johnson, who had received these priesthood keys from Joseph Smith. Like, so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so begot (laughs) so-and-so. Yeah, so I remember, like, being in priesthood class and, like, priesthood is that what they called them? Priesthood class? Anyway, priest being just in priesthood, you know, and just like the, um, they'd be like talking about line of authority and how we can trace our line of authority all the way back to Jesus because of oh Joseph Smith. Blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. <laughs> sure, Jen. Um, why Mormons are obsessed with ancestry, anything. Like, yeah. 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 Like, it's I have genealogy that goes back to like the 1500s, but I know nothing about their spe- these people. Just their names, their birth dates, their death dates. There's no storyline, nothing, just because they had to get their temple work done. And I'm like, mm. could we could we learn about these people, maybe? Like, <laughs> Yeah, right? <laughs> so weird to me. So weird to me. <laughs> uh, 
the Baron invited Allred and his followers to join their new order, but their invitation was rejected. Oh. Oh. Uh, three notable followers have been Fred Collier, Tom Green, and Robert Ray Black. I have no idea who those people are, but we'll find out, maybe. Um, this sect has attracted fewer adherents that uh, then had the earlier Firstborn faction co-founded by Wesley and headed by his brother Joel. There's just a lot of... Since Wesley's passing, some would-be would be successor groups generally are not termed as being the Barons or the like. As of 2004, there were about 100 members of the Collier branch of the Firstborn Order branch in Hannah, Utah, with additional sect members living in Mexico. Likewise, the Tom Green group consider themselves heirs to the Wesley LeBaron-founded organization. So it's all like... It just splinters okay. off into all these little yeah. Mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. All right. Uh, according to the Encyclopedia of Mormonism, which mainstream Latter-day Saint beliefs, the Church of the Firstborn refers to Christ's heavenly church, exalted beings who gain an inheritance in the highest kingdom of the celestial world. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, there's an encyclopedia for Mormonism? What is this? I guess so. I've seen it referred oh. to a lot. I need to look that up. Have you looked into that, Katie, at all? Um, I've seen it like referenced before, but I haven't yeah. read it personally. Yeah. yeah. Um, in LeBaron order belief, the Church of the Firstborn refers to those led by ones holding the patriarchal order of priesthood. Uh, when are those type notes? Those are yeah. legit typed out notes. Wow. Yeah. Wow, I am impressed. <laughs> Jake, didn't I say that last time we recorded? Yeah. I was like, you print out your notes? Like, that is impressive. <laughs> I just have a random, like, Word document I have to find <laughs> on my computer. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a mess. I just have, anyway. like, a notepad with, like, mad scribbling of an insane <laughs> woman. I just don't ever do it, so I'm <laughs> We love you. <laughs> <This is the best. laughs> uh, let's see. Um, it is. The patriarchal order holds the keys to overall leadership of God's pre-millennial kingdom passed down. So basically, I'm just going to skip all that because like, I thought it was important, but it's not. It's just like they just think that it's like the keys and they have the priesthood yeah, power. Yeah, they're just special, but, right? So, um, here's some highlights from his little book, Priesthood Expounded. Gross. <laughs> I already hate it. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, he likens, so some of it's paraphrased. So, he likens Joseph and Hiram Smith to Moses and Aaron. He claims there's a Levitical priesthood, which was held by Aaron, which was distinct from the Melchizedek priesthood. Guys, I read this shit. <laughs> it, was, it was hard to get through, but I was just like... It was so convoluted. I'm like, wait, so Moses, Aaron. And then I was like, wait, like trying to figure out where his conclusions were coming. I'm just like, I don't know. Okay, we'll just, sure, Jan. Oh, like, I'm just. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, and, and I even say in my notes, they go on and on about the lineage of the priesthood, <laughs> distinctions between the priesthoods, and how Joseph held the priesthood. <laughs> I mean, it's not that far off from like regular Mormonism, right? It's like we just understand that more because we grew up in it, and so yeah. we have like heard all those stories about how Joseph Smith like was visited by all these different angels and prophets, and then he got the priesthood with whoever that was from John the Baptist in the forest. Yeah, John the Baptist, <laughs> and then Peter, James, and John, and apparently yeah, the only one that like he had this 
<laughs> Oliver Cowdery with him, and Oliver Cowdery yeah. did like... Yeah. Like, it's just, just all... Kinda, it's just all bullshit. It's just different flavors of bullshit. And then they're like, no, yeah. he came to me and I'm the one with the priestess. So. <laughs> oh my God. That's so stupid. I had a, okay. So there's a quote, the highest priesthood office has continued, oh, whatever, unbroken chain, blah, blah, blah. Let us trace <laughs> the line of authority of this great priesthood and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So there, I had a thought while I was doing these few thoughts but like i had a thought while i was uh doing these notes and stuff I was, so why is the priesthood not talked about in the book of mormon because it's oh. they don't talk about the ironic priesthood Melchizedek priesthood they just kind of they don't ever like even mention it if it were that important and it's mentioned so much in the bible why is it not mentioned in the book of mormon and the book of mormon people quote unquote given the priesthood a great point you just that blew is. my mind <laughs> almost as if Joseph Smith made it up and then oh. added that on later. <laughs> and then later it was like, oh, I can't go back. Oh, oh it, I already translated this from a rock yeah. and a hat. I already uh, put my head in the hat. It's too late to go back now. <laughs> I threw the hat away and the rock. So. <laughs> too late. <laughs> too late. No oh my God. <laughs> Oh, so then I went to churchofjesuschrist.org unfortunately, <laughs> uh, and said it's to find this see if I can find the answer. And it says, though the book it's bullshit. Okay. Though the Book of Mormon does not explicitly state so, Lehi, like all other prophets in Old Testament times, held the Melchizedek priesthood. There's no, How do they know that if it's there's not no stated? There's not there's, it's not stated. For this reason, the Nephites, without having Levites among them, could rightfully officiate in the ordinances of the law of Moses. No, they could couldn't. They? Look at Dusty. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. Listeners, her head was fully back on her chair and she just was groaning. <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> uh, a whole mood. Sometimes I forget I'm on camera. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, they just assert things. They just like assert that something's true without any proof. That's not even in their fictional book. It's just like, oh sure, yeah, they all. We just make the <laughs> assumption. Yeah. Because you're full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. It was the waving of the arms for me. You're full of crap. You're <laughs> <laughs> gonna be the little balloon man on the side of that's the, what the, I was the church. Don't balloon. go here. <laughs> You're so cute. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's more bullshit. Let's see. There are three grand offices which stand at the head of these three. This is a quote from his book. Um, three grand offices. And there's one office which stands at the head of them all and presides over all things. I'm not going to read that anymore. We're, we're done with that. Okay, so um, here's another I quote. I have a grand office. <laughs> right? It doesn't. Um, to properly program the mind on priesthood doctrine, one should say, holy priesthood after the order of the God of the Father. Oh, this, oh okay. So this is the... Um, all right. It's good, Did you notice how he good said good to program shit. the mind? Mm-hmm. I picked up on that. That is... Um... Mm. Like, like they, it's almost like they know they're brainwashing people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like programming them. Yeah. Program their minds. 
not in a cult. Don't worry about it. Nope. No, we're just going to program your mind. It's not a cult. Okay. <laughs> it's going to get wild here. Like, I forgot about this, actually. I'm so, buckling in. Yeah. So. <laughs> so to properly program the mind, one should say, Holy Priesthood after the order of God the Father. Holy Priesthood after the order of the God the Son. Holy Priesthood after the order of God the Holy Ghost. Melchizedek Priesthood after the order of God the Father, Adam, Michael, God the Son, Jesus Christ, God the Holy Ghost, Joseph Smith the Testator. Oh, Testator. I heard Testy Eater. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's more appropriate. That's more appropriate, Everyone yeah. Testy Eater, yeah. <laughs> Joseph Smith had the right to use his own name for his church, his priesthood, and his twelve apostles, as he was the third God in the Holy Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Oh, Joseph uh, Smith is the third God? Mm-hmm. Ad, he, they say he's the Holy Ghost. Adam, Christ, and Joseph Smith. Wow. So they believe the Adam-God doctrine, too. Yeah. They believe that Adam is God, and then there's Jesus, and then J-Dog's the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Right. He's a ghost uh, now, sorry, the image. Boo. <laughs> 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 walking around with a hat for with his hat. <laughs> Got his hat in his hand. <laughs> I'm here to haunt your asses. <laughs> that is scary. I do not want Joseph Smith ghost showing up to me. I'll take almost anyone else. <laughs> After the book Jake made me read last night. Mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. Okay. <laughs> I did not make you. <laughs> no, it was a good book. I chose to read it. It was a very good book, but it was about ghosties, and now I'm scared. It was, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, Christ is next under Adam in the Holy Trinity, but Noah is next under Adam in the Patriarchal Order of God the Father. Christ is King of Kings in the Patriarchal Order and Third Office of Patriarch, Priest, and King. Uh, Melchizedek is to Noah what Christ is to Adam, and I, I'm always just like, why do they name it Melchizedek? And then they're like, the question, the answer is always, oh, because you can't answer, call it the Christ. Um, what is it? You can't overuse Christ's name or something like that. Is what they always say. Like, so they oh, use Melchizedek. Yeah, right. And just like, <laughs> and also the irony with that, you can't overuse Jesus Christ's name. Yet they, they get very annoyed when you don't say Jesus Christ in the name of the church. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like I did. Like, like you did. <laughs> church of Latter-day Saints. It's Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn it. You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the pamphlet then goes on into Adam-God theory, as taught by Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith is God the Holy Ghost. His priest is called the Holy Priesthood of the Order of God, the Testator. This priesthood authority, I can't see it. I will never be able to hear that again. <laughs> this priesthood authority ended April 6, 1950. I don't understand why that date, really. Anyway, he calls Benjamin Johnson an adopted son and brother-in-law to Joseph Smith, which alludes to the doctrine of adoption or, or sealing a men to men. 
Did you guys know about that oh, stuff? Oh, yeah. No? Men getting sealed to men is like a thing that mm-hmm. existed. Joseph Smith used to adopt men and, um, it, like, it, men in that time used to do, seal, each, seal themselves to other men as an adopted brotherhood kind of thing. So that but they I, would be, like, sealed in the eternities? Yeah. yeah. Oh. And I'm like, why can't, so if they did it then, can't they do it now? <laughs> like, yeah. The difference between a gay marriage and that, you know, like, yeah, I'm like exactly. so, so yeah. you're really, your, your whole point is mute. You're just being homophobic. So, yeah. yeah. No, they just oh, pick and definitely. choose what they want and then don't use a lot of what Joseph Smith originally taught. But the yeah. fundamentalists do, which is, I'm sure, you know, and this yeah. is why it's in this book. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. God, one must be one. One must be ordained by Adam to become a god like Adam in the next lifetime. God made an everlasting covenant with Abraham to become an Adam of the world. So Adam of a world. So that's the Adam God theory. But but like also just like. More in different like worlds and stuff. Different worlds have a different have a different Christ and have a different Adam and have a different. Just, oh yeah. And like have a like. Uh, so you move up in the ranks to become so like. Uh, what is it saying? Like basically like. Um. You must be ordained, but so you, like Christ would become eventually become an Adam in another world. Okay. So it's world, like a Adam in another world. So it's like, an MLM, Russia. you guys. <laughs> it's, the, it's the pyramid up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Mormonism is the ultimate MLM, oh, right? It really yeah. is. Like, it really is. And this is just taking the mainstream Mormonism teaching of you can become a god yeah. or wife of a god, I guess, in the eternities and then just elaborating on it. All right, so there's enough of that bullshit. We, <laughs> we can, it's deep. It's crazy. I was like, I couldn't, I didn't read all of it because I just couldn't take it anymore because it was just oh, yeah. all of this bullshit. And that was like the, the condensed version of all that. So I condensed it as much as I could. But wow. uh, So Colonia LeBaron is um, where his little settlement was. So... Uh, Colonial, uh, uh, I can't even say, Colonia LeBaron is located in the northwest of the state of Chihuahua near the towns of Nuevo Casa, Casas Grandes, I can't, Colonia Juarez and Colonia Dublon. That's where I've been, sorry. Yeah, Colonia Juarez, yeah. Oh, really? Uh Uh-huh. It's a little Mormon town there, it's really weird. (laughs) I mean, they all are. Yeah, but that one was like. Okay, anyway, sorry. Continue. <laughs> so it lies 13 kilometers. Ah, Dusty, you're welcome. I know, I know how far that is. <laughs> I even put in my, I put in parentheses eight miles. <laughs> Thank you for us. I'm American. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 13 kilometers south of the county seat of Galeana, and 21 kilometers, 13 miles, north of San. Buenaventura, it's main. I'm sorry, Spanish listeners. 
if you're listening, I mean, don't have a gringo accent. It's fine. Um, <laughs> its main means of access from Mexican Federal Highway 10. Its geographical coordinates. Oh, you don't. Oh, why the geographical coordinates? Who <laughs> cares? Maybe okay, someone so, does. You know. Maybe they were gonna plot a course. Listeners, if you want to know the geographical coordinates, I can give them to you. But we're not gonna do that. Um, some of this was copy and paste. I can't take full credit on this. Uh, the population of Colonial LeBaron includes several hundred practitioners of the Church of the Firstborn Faith, along with additional followers in Baja, California, California, Central America, and Utah. According to the Instituto Nacional para el Federalismo y el Desarrollo Municipal, oh my god, Gobierno del Estado de Chihuahua, Colonial LeBaron's population was 1137. Wow, Jeez, that's quite quite big. Right. Yeah, it's a thriving municipality. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Galeana, which includes the Barons, population was three thousand seven hundred sixty three in nineteen ninety six. Shit. The predominant religion was Roman Catholic at eighty nine eighty point nine percent of the population of people over fifteen, with the remainder principally Mormon. And an and evangelical Protestant. Um, all right, so that's pretty much herbal LeBaron's. Like, like that's just kind of gives you a nice idea of what the um, what the uh, his colonia is. There's a lot of colonias. It's the Mexican um, fundamentalist people that have like these little establishments in Mexico. Uh, after the polygamist, uh, after polygamy became ousted by the main church, and then um, and also illegal in the United States. So mm-hmm. now we're going to get to the murders, but <laughs> the murder, <laughs> but it goes. I thought so. It's not just the four o'clock murders. Like he was a psycho so um and when i tell you guys i had nightmares last night because <laughs> i was reading some of this <laughs> oh, no. really? yeah so trigger warning people just a little if you're a little like it's graphic and i'm not gonna yeah anyway um also didn't help that my little sister was doing dowsing rods last night do you guys know what those are no uh, is it like a witchcraft thing yeah you can like uh ask questions and like the questions. um <laughs> it'll <laughs> um, it'll like it'll cross and if it's a yes oh yeah uh, oh yeah no, and you kind of communicate like a with simple ouija board kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah that's a that's a nope for me yeah she was doing <laughs> I'm that down <laughs> So, I'll right, just go so, watch my Disney princess movies. <laughs> see, I had this. All right. Sorry, let me find where I was going to be. Uh, I have a really sophisticated notes on these ones because I just dog-eared a bunch of shit. And then I put little note, little things. So. Jacob, Elizabeth, you did not dog-ear a book. I didn't have a paper. <gasps> <gasps> to be fair, it's this book. Yeah. <laughs> like, <come on>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so um, OK, 
Okay, so we're going to go back to um, Joel. Do you guys remember who Joel is? Let's see. Do I remember who Joel is? Joel is the brother. He's Herbal's brother, right? Yes, yes. And they're both fighting for the the role as the one mighty and strong. Yeah. Yes. All right, you guys are paying attention. That was a quiz. I'm just kidding. (laughs) You passed, all of you. (laughs) Gold stars for all of you. Uh, okay, so as Joel attached a, let's see, I want to make sure if I'm, all right, Joel's movements on the last day of his life indicate the complex rifts and loyalties that had developed over the schism with Herbal, schism, I don't know, not just, anyway, Benjamin Zarate, along with the several of his sons, now followed Herbal, but the father still maintained his close relationship with Joel. Among the social calls Joel made on his way to the Zarate home in Ensenada was one to Delphina, Herbal's first wife. Delphina is going to become important later, too. Um, even though her husband was plotting his murder, Joel had been a constant source of help to Delphina and her children over the past two years, ever since Herbal had virtually abandoned them and taken to the road with Dan Jordan. Dan Jordan's also another name um, to remember. He's the... He's like a thug of herbals um on this day the prophet passed a little money to delphina and gave two of her children a lift into the ensenada marketplace uh skip ahead as joel attached a tow bar um so let me make sure yeah so as joel attached a tow bar to the buick gamaliel engaged him in scriptural debate so he's stopped by his car and he's fixing the car and yeah. this guy Gamaliel is the one sent by Gamaliel Rios and Andres Zarate are the um, Benjamin T's sons and they work for Herbal okay. so as Joel attached a tow bar to the Buick Gamaliel engaged him in scriptural debate about after about 20 minutes Gamaliel Invited the prophet into the vacant house to continue the conversation. Ivan waited outside. Bored, he unlocked the Buick with a piece of wire and climbed into the driver's seat. He was still there when Dan Jordan came up the driveway a few moments later. Herbal's lieutenant apparently didn't see the young boy sitting in the dust-covered car. Dan walked up to the house, Ivan remembered, and saw Daddy through the open window. He went in and they each said hi. In a few seconds, I heard a window break and I saw them fighting. Inside the house, Joel was getting the worst of the fight. One of his assailants took up a chair and began beating him senseless with it. Then, according to Ivan, one of the men inside shouted, kill him. There was a gunshot followed by another. Ivan, immobilized by fear, stayed in the Buick and stared out the windshield of the house. Soon, Dan Jordan came running out the door, then drew up to look around. Um, He walked up to... Let's see. A Catholic church on the opposite side of the street and a crowd of worshippers were gathered in front of the mor- for the morning service to begin. They had heard the gunfire coming from inside the Zarate house, and they stared at Dan. Herbal's lieutenant straightened the collar of his coat, pulled down the sleeves, then started casually down the driveway. He walked toward the Buick car. I thought he was going to shoot me too, Ivan recalled. Then he walked on across the road. And it says, Daddy was lying on the floor. He was lying on his back with his arms up, and blood was running down the side of his face. I ran that down the road to find Mama and Joel's other wife, Kathy. I couldn't find them, so I came back to wait. In a few minutes, the police came. The prophet of the first church of the firstborn of the fullness of times may have suffered terror, but his pain had been brief. So he killed Joel. He had Joel killed. So that's. And just to clarify, he he kills him by taking a chair and beating him to death, right? Yep. How is that quick? 
and then shooting him. Like, he, they beat him with a chair and then shot him. So terrible. Yeah. And this is all because he wants to be the prophet. Yes. Yeah. Ah. Uh. So, let's see. And then... All right. Determining what makes a one person a leader over others is an, is an inexact science. Analysts might examine a leader's body language, cadence of speech, posture, or a hundred other characteristics, but there always remains an elusive ingredient that cannot be pinpointed or measured. Call it charisma. If the mysterious nature of charisma leaves those trying to quantify, quantify the power of a Kennedy or Gandhi somewhat dissatisfied, it is deeply troubling when trying to quantify the power of a Charles Manson or an Herbal LeBaron. What kind of charisma produces a leader whom others will slavishly follow, commit murder for, continue to believe it even after the leader's imprisonment or death? Both Herbal LeBaron and Charlie Manson, according to their disciples, issued forth sermons of such brilliance and clarity that the hesitant became converted. The converted became forever committed. Both, again according to the true believers, possessed an almost supernatural light in their eyes, a hypnotic quality that would could win supporters or immobilize enemies with a single glance. I think it's one of the things that I like always like what draws me into learning about cult leaders is how. Like yeah. how do they get people to do these things? Yeah. I don't, I don't even know. Like And even after like they find out stuff, that they still like are so dedicated. Like Yeah. Katie and I just did an episode on Keep Sweet, and that was one of the things that we were talking about with Warren Jeffs is, like, it's so, it's it's crazy, like, to think, or not not that word, but just, like, it's so, I can't understand how, even after finding out all of this stuff, like, what they say or do that makes people follow them to the end, to, to do whatever they want them to do. It's just. Yeah, like, we were raised to believe some pretty wild things. Yeah. And yeah. we got out, and I try to remember that like people that are still in like my family members or whatever is like there's something that holds their brain hostage and like they can't they can't yeah. get out of that way of thinking mm-hmm. and it's scary to think that it's all fake so then it's like almost more comforting to just believe that like the world is evil or these things that they say about your leader is a lie because mm-hmm. You, yeah, it's scary to think that. Well, their whole identity is so wrapped up in this belief system. Like, perfect example, like people say, oh, do you want your family to leave the church? And no, I don't know what my mom would do if she didn't have that community and that, you know, that purpose. Like, that would be devastating to her. Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about that, too, where, um, like, older people, it's probably harder for, like, the older you are, it's probably harder to leave this establishment especially because it's um it's so ingrained it's like even deeper ingrained in you and also it's like a comfort thing yeah it's easier Mm -hmm. than like you said it's easier to believe that it's that everything else that else is evil and you've got the truth and that you're on the right path yeah especially if you've used all those years like you know we're talking 50 or 60 years into your life and you're like oh it's supposed to, like, I'm supposed to just suddenly change my path? No. Yeah, because you look at the amount of time that's spent, the amount of money that's spent, the <laughs> amount of yeah. everything that you have given to this idea. If it's all for nothing, like, that that can be very crippling and devastating for somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a friend that's actually, her whole family 
is all basically left the church except for so there's like I was had five girls and then their her parents and um of the five girls only one of them is still active and then uh the the mom quote unquote stays in the church like for the sake of her her parents because she knows it would kill them if she found out that but she knows she's like she oh what is it the physically in but mentally out yeah chemo. Chemo. yeah she's doing that kind of writing that line with them until they till they die so yeah yeah I get it like I, I I was angry for a long time at people who just wouldn't open their eyes and now I see it through the lens of like they literally cannot like it would just they can't they just can't do it for whatever reason right mm-hmm yeah Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of it, too, is like kind of what you're saying, Dusty, that you've invested so much into it that it's like, well, what the fuck do I do now? You know, and it makes me think of even actually when I watched that documentary on Scientology when I was a Mormon and they talk about that where they get to the final stage, you know, and they find out it's just like this batshit ridiculous, you know, thing that they're saying this is the final stage. And a lot of the people they interviewed were like. We just stayed because we honestly invested so much money and time into it that it's like, what do you do now? And even when I left at like 27, that was the first thing or one of the first things that popped in my head was like, well, I've invested so much into this church. Like, what do, do I really just walk away now? Do I leave? Like, it seems like it makes the rest of your life feel like you've wasted it otherwise. Yeah. So it was oh, a yeah. question of like, do you stay? Do you, you've invested a lot? Like, I don't know, even though it's so... It's all a lie. It's all bullshit. But it's like you, you spent so much time convincing yourself and everyone else and investing all of your energy into this thing that you're like, do I just walk away? I don't know. It's, it's not as simple. And I think with older people, like that's definitely even harder because they have double the amount of time, you know, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. 